You guys can turn to uh, John chapter 1. And uh, tonight, what I want to share is uh, some uh, effective study practices in reading the Bible. And uh, by no means is this comprehensive or all-inclusive. Uh, I'd just like to share some things that I've found have, uh, have made studying the Bible very rich and, and good and fulfilling. And, uh, you know, I can honestly say, I can honestly say that most mornings, whenever I wake up in the morning, I'm excited to go and read my Bible. I can honestly say that. And I think the reason is, is because, uh, you know, God has a, a, a way that we approach His Word where it produces fruit in our life. And as we begin to see that fruit produced in our life, that's when we get excited about the Word of God. You know, uh, people get frustrated when there's no fruit, but a lot of times, uh, all the time, if there's no fruit, there's something wrong with us. There's not something wrong with the Bible, you know? And uh, so before I start, I just kind of want to lay a foundation of uh, what what the Bible is for us in our lives. So I'm just going to run through some scripture, and I'm sure you're very familiar with most of these scriptures, and uh, just as a little primer, and then we'll get into it. So John 1.1, 1, 1, uh, in the beginning the Word already existed. He was with God, and He was God. He was in the beginning with God. He created everything there is. Nothing exists that He didn't make. Life itself was in him, and this life gives light to everyone. The light shines through the darkness, and darkness can never extinguish it. And you see, this passage is one of the most awesome passages in the Bible. A couple of things that we can take from it. The Word is eternal. It was from the beginning. It always was. The Word is summarized in the life of Jesus. He is the Word, because if you read farther into the passage, you, you come to know that the Word that they're, that they're talking about is Jesus, and He's clearly identified as the Word. Uh, the Word has creative power. The Word gives life. It gives light in our lives, and the Word cannot be defeated by the powers of darkness. Isaiah 55, 10 through 11, I'm just going to read this. Uh, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 4. I'm going to read from there. But Isaiah 55, 10-11 says, The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere that I send it. Uh, and you see, the Word will always pay back the investment that we put in it. Whatever we put into the Word is what we get back to the, from the Word. You know, you put in little effort, you're going to get little back from the Word. Uh, but, but, but if we will commit ourselves and open ourselves and really invest ourselves in the Word of God, then we will find uh, awesome returns in our life. Uh, Hebrews 4, I've got to turn there real quick. Hebrews four eleven through 13 it says, Let us do our best to enter that place of rest, for anyone who disobeys God as the people of Israel did will fall. 
For the word of God is full of living power. It is sharper than the sharpest knife, cutting deep into our innermost thoughts and desires. It exposes us for what we really are. Nothing in all of creation can hide from him. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. This is the God whom we must explain all that we have done. See, the word is sharp, and it's, it's, it's equated to a, a sharp tool in the hand of God. And I, I love what this translation says. It reveals what we really are. You know, and it, and it, it comes in, and, and the, the Bible has a way of, of trimming away the flesh and trimming away the sin nature and trimming away the selfish desire and forming us and making us into the person that God wants us to be. It's like a sharp sword. First uh, Peter 1, uh, 24 through 25, while I read this, you can turn to Luke chapter 6. Uh, as the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. And see, God's word is eternal. The things that, that the Bible speaks of are going to last forever. You know, they're going to last longer than our marriages, our families. They're going to last longer than our careers. They're going to last longer and beyond our, our bank accounts and the things that, that so consume our minds and our hearts. You know, the Word of God is eternal. And when we invest in the things that the Word says and in the Word, we reap uh, eternal benefit. So it is, it is forever. It's eternal. So going over to Luke chapter 6 here. Let's see. Chapter 6, verse 46. It says, So why do you call me Lord when you won't obey me? I will show you what it is like when someone comes to comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then obeys me. It is like a person who builds a house on a strong foundation laid upon the underlying rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who listens and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against the house, it will crumble into a heap of ruins." You see, how many of y'all know that the Bible doesn't promise anywhere, not, from, not in one spot does the Bible promise that when we come to the Lord, when we believe in Jesus, that our life will get easier. You know, that's, that's what a lot of people say these days, but the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says that, that whenever we come to the Lord, that we can not only expect the troubles of this life that everybody has to experience, but we can expect further persecution and further trouble because we're strangers and we're aliens in this life. And so, you know, the Bible, the Bible makes it very clear that we can expect trouble, but the Word of God is like building our house, building our life on a rock. So not if those waves come, but when those waves come, we have a solid foundation on the rock if we have the Word of God in our hearts and in our minds. And it's the difference between making it through the trials of life and crumbling under the pressure, losing your cool, uh, you know, doing things that you, that, you, that you regret later. So now, uh, having laid a little bit of a foundation for what the Word can do in our lives, let's look at a few effective study practices 
that will help us enjoy and develop a habit of reading the Bible in such a way that that produces fruit in our life. And I really want to focus, I didn't focus on this in my notes, but I feel it in my heart. I want, to, I want to focus on the fact that God wants us to enjoy His Word. You know, God, God doesn't want it to be a burden because it's a blessing. The Bible, above, above God, who we've been reconciled to through Jesus, uh, the Bible is our greatest treasure that we've been given above anything else in our life. Besides, besides, besides God himself, and he wants us to enjoy it. Amen? Uh, so the first thing that we must know in order to understand the Bible is that it is all about Jesus. Okay? The whole Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, Genesis to Revelation, is all about Jesus. And, uh, and there's one passage of Scripture that makes it, well, there's many passages of Scripture that make this very clear. But uh, there was a time after Jesus' resurrection when he appeared to two of his followers while they were walking on the road from Jerusalem to a uh, small village called Emmaus. And, you know, he came up, and the Bible says that their, their eyes were blinded. They, 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 were, they couldn't recognize him. And uh, so he came up. He said, you know, hey, what are you guys doing? And they told him about... Uh, how Jesus had been crucified and how they were upset because uh, they thought that he was the Messiah and they thought that he was going to deliver them from the Romans and, 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 and be a great king. And, uh, and then they told him about how the tomb was found empty and how women were reporting that angels had appeared to him and tell him he's alive and he's risen, but they can't find him and, and, and all these things. So uh, flip over to Luke 24. In the middle of this conversation, or right up to where I just kind of led us up to, Jesus says something that's very, or the Bible says something about what Jesus said. That's very significant. Uh, 24-25. Let's see. Then Jesus said to them, You are such foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the Scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted by the prophets that the Messiah would, would have to suffer all, thing, all these things before entering his time of glory? Then Jesus quoted passages from the writing of Moses and all the prophets, the Old Testament, explaining what all the scriptures said about himself. So Jesus took all the scripture from Genesis to Malachi, because the New Testament wasn't written at that time, and he showed them how all the scripture pointed to him. And so that's something that we need to understand, especially when reading the Old Testament. Uh, you know, I, I love reading the Old Testament. I love reading both Testaments, but but I I think it's it's kind of like treasure hunting when you when you find these things and and you say, oh man, I see how that points to the Lord. You know, I see how how the Old Testament stands as a foundation upon which the New Testament was built. And, and it points forward to Jesus, and it's, it's, uh, it's really a, a, a crucial key to understanding the Scripture, that as we read it, we read it through the lens that, that this whole book is about Jesus. So that's the first thing. Uh, I would encourage you to keep that in the back of your mind as you read. Uh, another thing, we talked about this last week, where do I start? Where in this big volume <laughs> do I open my Bible, and where do I start? Uh, I think the bigger question is, 
how am I going to read my Bible? Okay? And I'll show you what I mean by that. Uh, I'll give you an analogy. If you go to a gym, an exercise gym, okay, they got all the equipment that you need to become fit, okay? They've got, uh, you know, it's just a stacked out gym, everything you could ever want. So you go, but you don't go with a plan. Uh, and, and you end up, you know, maybe talking more than you end up working out, or you, uh, you're doing the wrong thing, or you hurt yourself, or, or whatever. But you go in and you don't have an effective plan of attacking the gym, you're not going to become fit just because you go to the gym. You've got to have a plan. You've got to have a strategy. You've got to do something. You know, people get trainers and, and buy those exercise videos because they're trying to uh, take a plan by somebody who has gone before them that worked and implement that plan in their life in order to get the results that they're seeking. And so uh, my point in all that is, is that the Bible has everything that we need to nourish our spirit, to build us up, you know, uh, God uses it to, you know, it says that God uses it to, to uh, teach us what is right and to correct us when we're wrong and to prepare and equip us for every good work in the Bible. And so it's here. It's all here. Uh, but if we approach the Bible without a plan, then there will be a lot of frustration and little fruit. I know. I've been there. Uh, I still get there sometimes. Uh, and I just want to present to you two of what I consider the main uh, effective ways to read the Bible. Again, this is not all-inclusive, uh, but there are two very effective ways to approach the Bible with a plan. Uh, the first is verse-by-verse verse in order. Okay? That's the first way. Uh, you know, maybe you take a book... Uh, I, I highly recommend that the smallest portions of, of the Bible that you take in your life are books. Because those are, those, those weren't, although uh, there's a lot of advantage to uh, taking passages of Scripture and memorizing them or reading them or putting them in our heart, uh, there's always a big idea to a book in the Bible and, uh, you know, when these guys wrote them, they didn't write just a verse. They wrote the whole book intended to be read as one, as one book. Now, you know, there's, there's long books like Isaiah and uh, Psalms. That's, Psalms is kind of different. Uh, it's kind of unique. But there's longer books that maybe aren't feasible for one sitting. But I would recommend that, that in the smallest increments in, in consecutive days or when you pick up your Bible, I would encourage you to begin to take the Bible in books. And you begin to see the bigger idea and the bigger context of those little scriptures. Now, uh, an, even, an even cooler way, I think, to read the Bible uh, and, and a great way to, to get the full perspective of the Word of God is to start from Genesis and read Revelation. Uh, and, you know, I, I'd, I had never done that until a couple of years ago, but I found such uh, just context and richness and, and uh, just perspective. And, and uh, I don't know, it's very difficult to explain, but, but there, was, there was something powerful about 
about starting from the beginning and reading to the end. And, uh, you know, I, you can get creative. Sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll Google, uh, like, you know, what chronology the Bible had in. I've been through the Bible chronologically as far as time goes. Uh, this is actually my first time that I'm actually just going through book by book, and I'm even cheating a little bit because, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's parallel stories in the Kings and the Chronicles, and I like to read them together. Uh, but it's, it's a very effective and rich way uh, to, to read the Bible, and I'm going to speak a little bit more about how we make that effective uh, in just a little bit. Uh, the second way is topically. You read the Bible topically. Uh, and the way you do that is this, okay? Say you want to learn more about the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life, okay? Uh, so what you do is, uh, I think that with the technology that we have today, everybody should have on your phone or on your computer or uh, at least a concordance, <laughs> you know, something where you can search the Bible topically, Okay? And so I type in Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, something I do more than I use, uh, more than I use my Bible app, I use Google all the time. And, it, and, and a Google search that I do all the time is scripture about blank. <laughs> and, you know, boom, there it comes, you know, brrr. And, uh, and you can, and you get so much stuff, uh, and, and first, you know, you'll get just scripture references and maybe articles. And so we take these things and, and I go through and I read, I read and I record maybe on notes or I, I, me personally, I take notes on my phone and, and when I'm done, I email them to myself and save them on my computer. But, but, uh, okay, there's a scripture about the Holy Spirit. Let me write that one down. And, and then I go and read and then I, then I Google, um, the advocate. Scripture's about the advocate. Scripture's about the helper and the different names of the Holy Spirit. And I, I begin to get a full perspective in the Bible about what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. Then maybe uh, in my Google search, I, I see an article by uh, someone that I know is a, a good Bible teacher. And I, I, I click on that and I read the article and uh, not only do I get perspective from someone who spent a lot more time on it than I've already spent, but I get more scripture. Uh, sometimes I read articles that are just complete hooey, but they have scripture references on the topic that I'm looking for and that helps me, you know, and I just throw the hooey in the garbage and uh, move on. But... Uh, topically is a very rich and, and, and planned and structured way. And then, uh, I take, I take all my notes. I take all my notes that I compiled and, uh, I put them in a notebook or I save them on my computer. And the next time I'm thinking, I'm thinking, uh, man, I want to know, I want to learn about the Holy Spirit. Pull it up and, and, and I have a rich personal, uh, resource that I can read and draw from. So, uh, one way that I do not recommend reading the Bible is randomly or without a plan. You know, uh, we've all done it. Lord, speak to me. You know? <laughs> it, it could work sometimes. I don't know. I'm not going to say that never works. But, but uh, you know, or, you know, I wake up or... And I come and I get my Bible and I just, oh, no, you know, I'll read a couple of verses from here, you know. And there's no plan, there's no structure, there's no, uh, there's no, uh, 
you're not, you're not effectively studying the Word. And, and you're like those people. Have you ever seen those videos of those people in the gym and they're making fun of them because they put the, the video on and uh, you look like that, you know, and it's, it's just not good. And so that's not the right, that's not a good way to approach the Bible. And so uh, I would encourage you, if you've never done it before, try it. Start in Genesis. Just try it. You don't have to finish the Bible in a year, like they say, you know, uh, uh, two years, three years. But the, the key is, is that we're not trying to finish the Bible. We're trying to get the full perspective of the Word of God and let it minister to our lives. So maybe we, we read and, and you know, I, I, don't, I don't always just, like all the time, I'll stop and I'll study a topic out. You know, I'll see something and it'll spark something inside of me and I'll get off of my chronological reading and I'll read out a topic. You know, there's, there's variety there, but the key is to have a plan. And uh, there's, there's probably many other great ways, but those to me are the two simplest and effective and uh, ways to approach the Bible. So, uh, however we choose to read the Bible, I'm going to tell you something else that, 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 is, that is going to, uh, that is extremely important. Uh, you have to be willing to move slowly. Uh, now, I don't know about y'all, but I like to finish things. Yeah, you know, uh, I like I like to finish. I, I like to finish the chapter that I'm in before I go to work, or the book that I'm in, or uh, you know, uh, sometimes I get a little antsy whenever uh, I know I'm going to speak at church because I like to leave a certain amount of time to prepare for that. But I've got my chronological reading over here, and I got I got to finish <laughs> the chapter or, or the story or whatever, you know. And it would get so caught up in finishing that we that we miss we miss the journey, you know. And so you got to be willing to move slowly through the Bible. Uh, if while reading uh, another scripture comes to your mind, don't just brush it off, but stop and look up the scripture. You know, uh, you know, two words about the scripture, scripture about, blah, 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 there it is, boom, you know, uh, and it comes up. And so whenever, whenever those things pop up into our heart while we're reading the Bible, we stop and we look up those scriptures. Uh, because here's the reason, the best commentary on scripture is other scripture, okay? I'll give you an example. Genesis five twenty one through 24, we're introduced to this uh, kind of mysterious character, uh, this man named Enoch. And the Bible, uh, you know, it, it's given a genealogy where it's saying, you know, such and such begot such and such, and he lived this long, and then he died, and his son lived this long, and then he died. And, and it's just this kind of redundant, and then this man named Enoch pops in, and it says, and Enoch, Enoch walked with God for 365 years, and then he was not because God took him. Who? You know? Uh, and so, and that, that's all it says. And then it moves on. And, and so I'm thinking, oh, what, is that, what does that mean? Is that supposed to mean something? Uh, you know, uh, what do I do? Uh, and, and so here's what you do. You go to your Bible app and you type in Enoch. <laughs> and, and then a couple of scriptures are going to pop up. Namely, uh, Jude 1, 14 through 15 which tells us that Enoch was a prophet who prophesied about the evil people that would, that would rise up one day in the last days before Jesus came. He actually prophesied of the days that we live in now 
and, and the different types of, of wicked men that, that were going to rise up and begin to live for themselves and, 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 and uh, persecute Christ. And the other scripture that will pop up is uh, Hebrews 11.5, which reveals to us that it was by faith that Enoch was taken away and did not see death. So, it, it, you know, it wasn't just some random thing. This was a great man of faith, and, and his faith, uh, his faith uh, and his walking with the Lord and, and, and being faithful to prophesy, uh, for some reason God chose that, that he would not see death. Does anybody know who the only other person is who didn't die? Anybody? Elijah. That's right. That's right. A lot of people think that they're the two witnesses. You know, we know that Elijah is one of the witnesses from Malachi. A lot of people think that Enoch is the second witness because it is appointed once for a man to die, and then he goes to see the Lord. You know, and uh, so a lot of people think that it might be Enoch, uh, which is kind of just a fun side note. Uh, Scripture always sheds light on other Scripture and is the best commentary of other scripture. This is why it's extremely important that you have, like I said, uh, some type of concordance or way to search the Bible. And I've already talked about it. The internet is a great source to search the Bible. It's super easy. Uh, let's see. This way, while reading the Bible, if you see something about perseverance in an Old Testament story... You can search for, for perseverance in the Bible and find all the scriptures about it. So, I've already talked about all this. Google, Bible apps, internet, use it. Uh, and the key is here, though, you've got to be willing to stop. When you're reading something, excuse me, and the Holy Spirit brings something up into your heart, when the Holy Spirit illuminates a word in your Bible or a, a point or a topic, no, oh, excuse me, you have to be willing to stop and look it up and study it out. There's great richness in that. You know, I've I've spent I've spent weeks in 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 one verse in the Bible because it's not really one verse because because the Lord just speaks something to my heart. And I, I go and I begin to study it out, and, and there's just such wealth and richness there, and it's, uh, it's, it's worth stopping. Don't be so consumed with finishing that you're not willing to stop. Okay. Next thing. If you don't understand something, when you don't understand something, you read the Bible, it happens all the time to everybody. The first thing that I think that we should do that I am guilty of not doing all the time is that we need to stop and pray that the Holy Spirit will illuminate and reveal the Scripture to us. Okay, uh, A couple of Scriptures. If you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 1 while I read these, uh, that's where we'll all read together from. Psalm uh, 119 18 says, or 119, 18, yes. It says, open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instructions. Uh, John 14, 26, but when the Father sends the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, as my representative, that is, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Now let's go to Ephesians. 
One of the bad things about using the electronic sword all the time is that you forget how to use the, the paper sword. There it is, Ephesians. Ephesians 1.15 Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for Christians everywhere, I have never stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, here it is, to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. God gives that to us uh, so, that, so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the wonderful future he has promised to those he called. I want you to realize what a rich and glorious inheritance he has given to his people. So, wisdom and understanding of the scripture is something that God gives to us. It's not something that we, always, that we have or we don't have. It's something that God gives to us. Uh, 1 Corinthians, if you want to turn there, chapter 2 talks a little more specifically about the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2.10, it says, But we know these things because God has revealed them to us by His Spirit. And His Spirit searches out everything and shows us even God's deep secrets. No one can know what anyone else is really thinking except that person alone. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And God has actually given us his spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you this, we do not use words of human wisdom. We speak words given to us by the spirit, using the spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. So a couple of things that we can glean from these scriptures, these passages, is, is that God desires to give us wisdom and understanding in his word. Uh, so to do that, he sent the Holy Spirit to search out and show us the revelations of God. And uh, we see here the Spirit knows God's thoughts and gives us understanding and spiritual words to explain spiritual things. So as we begin to read the Bible, and I've been trying to do this, I got, I got convicted whenever I was writing this, you know, I believe that, you know, before we read the Bible, we should pray, Holy Spirit, reveal the word to me. Open my eyes to see. Open my eyes to see, Holy Spirit. And when we don't understand, we need to stop and, and, and pray, God, help me. Give me spiritual wisdom and understanding. Open my eyes to see the word. Uh... So that's, that's, a, that's a very important practice in reading the Word. Uh, the next thing, after we pray, we should always have uh, a commentary, a Bible study, uh, you know, some, some resource from a uh, trusted source uh, that, that, that we can go to for help, you know, uh, I am a big believer, huge believer in standing on the shoulders of people who have spent countless hours dedicating their lives to the Word of God. Why, why not, you know? Why not take the wisdom of these men and women who, who spend the majority of their whole life studying the Scripture, anointed by God to do such, why don't I take the wisdom that they have 
uh, written down on the page and use it for my advantage, you know, and my understanding. And so right now, uh, you know, I, I always have a, a, a Bible study by a, a preacher who I uh, trust and respect. I have it sitting next to my Bible, or oftentimes it's open on my chest. And, uh, you know, I'm reading, and, and I look, and I see, okay, he's got something to say about uh, verse 13. Um, God didn't really speak anything specifically to me about verse 13. I'm going to stop, and I'm going to see and what he says. And, uh, or, or I'm reading, and, and something pops off the page to me. I've got my phone sitting on the other arm. I pick up my phone. I, I, I punch it in, maybe, maybe find an article, uh, something. There's so many helps help us. It is, it is in my mind, uh, foolish not to use those things. And so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's just a, a very important thing that we stand on the shoulders of those people who have gone before us. Um, let's see. A good Bible app. Uh, you'll probably have it. version. It's a good Bible app. It's got, uh, you know, it suggests verses of the day. It has devotionals. It has reading plans. It's got a search engine. It's got uh, all of the translations that you could ever want. Uh, and and so I, uh, I never actually go to the site, but it comes up on my Google searches all the time. Bible Hub is another one that I, I know a lot of people use. And, and really, the Internet is to a point now where you don't really have to buy a Bible software to have a Bible software, you know. And uh, there's just so much stuff. Uh, another thing, uh, listen to sermons. You know, uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And uh, so, you know, you, you listen to sermons. All of our sermons here uh, are on iTunes. All of Pastor Ron's sermons from the Golden Triangle Church are on, are on iTunes. Uh, you know, you can get sermons from just about any uh, preacher now off the Internet uh, or on YouTube and, and they're so readily available. Most of them you can search by topic. And, uh, you know, one, one resource I use a lot is uh, Pastor Ron. He, he actually takes his sermon notes and he, um, he puts them in, onto a website called EZ, letter E, letter Z, sermons.com. And uh, it's got a search engine and you can search topically. And uh, so, you know, he's been doing this probably longer than I've been alive. And, uh, and, and so, you know, he's got sermons about just about everything. So that's one of the resources I use. I go to Easy Sermons, I'll type it in, and, and boom, there it is. Podcasts. You can listen to podcasts on your commute. Uh, there's fruit in that, you know. Uh, let's see. For verse-by-verse reading, something that was really rich for me, uh, there is a, there's a man, uh, a preacher, who passed away last year. Uh, he he was the pastor at Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa, uh, California. His name's Chuck Smith, and Chuck Smith was a a verse by verse chronological Bible teacher. And on Sunday nights and Thursday nights, uh, for for decades and decades, he would just go through the Bible verse by verse with his congregation. Uh, and then you get to Revelation, and then you start over again, and it's verse by verse. Well, in 1979, they recorded his teachings. And uh, if you, you can type it in, uh, 
Chuck Smith through the Bible series. That's what it's called, through the Bible series. And there is a verse-by-verse teaching on every single chapter in the whole Bible on that website. Uh, you, you go, you click on it, and, and there you go. And, and you've got verse-by-verse teaching on the whole Bible, and it's awesome. Uh, it's, it's very good, and um, I highly recommend it. And he dates himself every now and then. He dates himself by what he says. But, but for the most part, you know, the Word of God does not become dated, you know. And uh, he sticks pretty, pretty close to the Bible and is, is, is extremely relevant uh, to today. Highly recommend it. Uh, now, when using resources other than God's uh, Holy Spirit to search the Scriptures out, you know, we have to be careful, right? Because, like I said, there's a lot of hooey out there. And uh, so, you know, First Thessalonians 5.21 says that we need to test all things. We need to make sure that's, that it, it lines up with all of the Scripture. And so, uh, you know, we need to pray for the Holy Spirit to help us to discern these things and to, to see what's trash and garbage and what is uh, consistent with the Word of God. Uh, another thing that I've talked about a little bit is is that I highly recommend that while you read the Bible that you take notes about things that God speaks to you about. Uh, the way I do it, I, I have a uh, Word document for every book of the Bible. And, uh, you know, Genesis. And then I have one dash for chapter one. And then beneath that, uh, you know, I have one colon for one one and and in in beyond that colon I, I just write all the things that God speaks to me, all the things that I read that stick in my heart about Genesis one one. And then I may go a while, maybe even a whole chapter, you know, I might have uh, a chapter number with nothing below it and then I got the but but you 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 record these things uh, that God speaks to you and and I'm excited right now because this is my this is my second time through since I started doing that, and so now I'm getting to use my notes from the last time, and 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 God speaks these things afresh, and He speaks things on top of them, and it's 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 like a living personal commentary, and uh, it, it's 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 a great it's a great investment of time, and you know I'll email it to myself and paste it into my notes so I can do it on my phone. Uh, and then I'll email it back to myself so I can put it back in the Word document. But, uh, and if you like paper, keep a notebook, you know. But, but it's important uh, that we write these things down because how many of y'all know that, that so often when we don't write something down, it just, you know, it goes away and you lose it. And that's, it's, it's a shame. It's a shame if the Holy Spirit were to speak to you and you were to, to lose that. You know, why not, why not make a habit to where when God speaks something to you, you have it your whole life, you know? And so it's important that we take notes, that we write these things down. Uh, talked about this a little bit. The goal is not to finish the Bible or the chapter that you're reading. The goal is to get a full perspective of God's Word and to allow it to be living and powerful and active in our lives. Uh, and now, maybe, to me, I think, probably the most important question. 
when is the best time to read my Bible? When can I effectively put the Bible in my life? A couple of things in, in Scripture, and then we'll kind of talk practically. Uh, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. Uh, it's a great, that would be a great place to maybe start because it's broken into sections. And, and you know, that'd be a great daily devotional. Uh, and all it is is about God's Word, the whole, the whole psalm. And uh, anyway, read a couple of verses from it. Psalm 119, 130. The teaching of your word gives light so even the simple can understand. Uh, so you see, when God's word enters into our hearts, it gives light and understanding to us. And for this reason, that implies that we need to continually read the word, right? We know that. Uh, in verse 11 of Psalm 119, it says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Verse 98 and 99, your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are my constant guide. Yes, I have more insight than my teachers, for I am always thinking of your laws. And then in Matthew 4, 4, Jesus said, no, the scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Uh, now, going back to Psalms, Psalm 1, 1 through 3, it says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. So the first thing about when is, is that it, uh, frequency. And the frequency is constant, continual, daily. You know, the, uh, Jesus said, Jesus, Jesus related the scripture to bread. You know, he related it to food. And just like food uh, nourishes and fuels our physical body, the Bible, the Word of God, nourishes and fuels our spiritual self. Uh, and, and if we're not daily putting the Word of God inside of us, then we will become spiritually weak, uh, just like we do when we don't eat. Uh, there's a reason that he, that, he, that he made that analogy. Uh, now let me share with you what I believe is the best way to establish a daily Bible reading. Uh, in Matthew 13, let me turn there. In Matthew 13, Jesus told a parable about how a farmer spread seed onto four types of ground. The first type of ground was stony ground. And he talked about when, when the seed fell on the stony ground, it, it just withered away or got ate up by the birds. And... The second type of soil was shallow soil, and underneath the soil was, uh, you know, it was just a, a top layer over some rock, and so the the seed sprung up quickly, and uh, but it, but it it quickly withered uh, from the sun or the, the elements, and the third type of soil had thorns uh, growing on it, 
And when the seed tried to sprout up, the thorns kind of crushed it and ate it up and, and caused the plant to die. And then the fourth type of soil was good, deep, rich soil, and the plant grew and, and, and produced fruit. So uh, that's the parable. In verse 18 of chapter 13, Jesus explains the parable. Uh, Matthew thirteen eighteen. Now here is the explanation of the story I told about the farmer sowing grain. The seed that fell on the hard path represents those who hear the good news about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches the seed away from their hearts. The rocky soil represents those who hear the message and receive it with joy, but like young plants in such soil, their roots don't go very deep. At first they get along fine, but they wilt as soon as they have problems or are persecuted because they believe the word. The thorny ground represents those who hear and accept the good news, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares of this life and the lure of wealth, so no crop is produced. The good soil represents the hearts of those who truly accept God's message and produce a huge harvest, 30, 60, or even a hundred times as much as had been planted. So how do we approach the Word of God with a heart that is good soil? That's, that's the question that has to be asked from this parable. How do we avoid being the stony ground, a heart that does not understand? Here's the key, and so many people miss this. We seek to understand. You don't read the Bible. You seek to understand the Bible. You know, uh, oftentimes I'll, I'll be reading the Bible and, and you don't, you know, you, you start thinking about work or, uh, you know, what happened last night or, or I'm hungry or whatever. And, and you, you read it, but you don't get it. You don't understand it. We have to seek to understand in order to understand. Um, we don't approach the Bible as something to check off in the morning. Well, I got to read my Bible in 30 minutes. You know, I committed to God on Sunday, and I got to check that off my list. We, no, we, we, we approach it to understand it. It's not a check item. Uh, we pray to the Holy Spirit to illuminate the Word as we read it, and especially when we don't understand it. And we always have resources available to us to help us, books, uh, the Internet, sermons, uh, whatever we can get our hands on, we use these things to seek to understand actively. Uh, how do we avoid being the shallow ground that has no roots and falls away as soon as it, things get difficult? We crucify our flesh daily. I want to tell you something. The number one reason why people do not get born again is because they love their sin. But I want to tell you, the number one reason... Why Christians are not serving the Lord, are not reading their Bible as they should, are not praying as they should, it's because we love our flesh more than we love the Lord. All the time. Okay? And so the way that we avoid being shallow is we daily crucify our flesh. We daily say no to the, to the, to the corrupt man and we say yes to the things of God. And we push through that. Uh... Make it uncomfortable a little bit sometimes. Uh, as long as I am the primary love in my life, God and his kingdom purposes will never be my top priority. This is why Paul teaches to daily crucify the flesh. 
See, if we begin to seek first the kingdom, then these things, this fruit will begin to form in our lives. The fertile soil will begin to till up in our hearts. Uh, The next thing, how do we avoid being the soil among thorns where the word is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of being rich, uh, you know, pulls us away? (laughs) I just talked about all my notes <laughs> on that point about, about uh, you know, we, 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 we begin to love God and the things of God and say no to the things of our flesh. That's the way that we do that. Uh, you know, the, the thorns, I, I think that the, that the thorny uh, parable or analogy is the great thing that we struggle with today, you know. Uh, you know, I got Netflix, and I got uh, the internet, and I got uh, games on my phone, and games on my console, and games on my handheld, and uh, you know, I've got um, I've got activities going on, and and I, you know, I've got uh, so much going on. You know, there's I've got eight sports channels, and six history channels, and and, uh, you know, 10 news channels, and, and I've got so many options, and these things vie and, and, and reach for our heart, and they can literally push the things of God out of our consciousness if we're not careful, uh, if we don't actively seek first the kingdom. And that's, that's the among thorns. It, 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 it consumes the things of God in our life. And so we crucify the flesh. We say no, and we say yes to the things of God. Um, So, with all the options available to us and vying for our hearts and minds and all the responsibilities of this life, how do we balance this with the top priority of knowing God and His Word? This is my final question. Uh, Jesus gave some insight into this. We kind of already talked about this, but in Matthew 6.33, He said, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So we seek first the kingdom, but how do we do that? I think Jesus gave us a little bit more insight in uh, his practice. Let me read something to you here. Mark 1.35 Now in the morning, having risen long before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. From David, the man after God's own heart, Psalm 5.3 My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you, and I will look up. Psalm 63, 1, also from David. O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Now, in my 31 years of life, I'm on the wrong side of 30 now. This morning I woke up, I went to read my Bible, and about 20 minutes into reading my Bible, my neck just seized up on me. I don't know why. And I'm thinking, I told Laura, I'm falling apart, babe. (laughs) I'm on the wrong side of 30. Uh, I've got a pulled muscle in my back, falling apart. But in my 31 years of life, and dealing with the flesh and balancing the worries and responsibility of life with seeking after God, I'm convinced. No one can convince me different. 
I can't say that it's 100% the Bible says to do this, but I'm convinced that there is no better time to seek the Lord than when you get out of bed. There's no better time. You cannot convince me otherwise. Here's why. The longer in your day that you put off reading the Bible and seeking the Lord and praying to God, the more chance there is that that, that stuff's just going to pop up and take your heart. You know, the more chance there is that something's going to happen and, and get your conscience. I have, I have a big enough struggle first thing in the morning with, with my mind being pulled off of what I'm doing. But, but when, you've, when you've been through a day and you're tired and you're weary and, 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 and then, you know, okay, I'm going to go read my Bible, but oh no, my, my son's sick or uh, oh no, uh, my wife's got a flat tire, I got to go help her or my wife wants me to just watch TV with her, you know, and babe, I got to read my Bible, you know, or, uh, you know, stuff comes up and it takes our heart away from seeking God. And everybody here, I, I can say it, I bet I could say it, uh, I could say it with 100% accuracy that everybody here has had a good intention to seek the Lord and something has pulled you away from that at some point in your life. You know, it's happened to every one of us. It always has. But can I submit something logical to you? If you wake up an hour before you have to do anything, 30 minutes, 20 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever it, whatever it is for you, if you wake up an hour before you have to do anything else, then there is a, a, a significantly lower chance that something is going to take your time away that you have scheduled for the Lord. And that's the truth. You know, uh, you know, you could say you're not a morning person. You could say, uh, you know, I know people have different schedules, and some people go to work at 7, some people go to work at 9, some people work nights. But I want to I challenge you with, whenever you roll out of bed, that's the best time to seek the Lord. And you, you, whatever amount of time you want to seek with the Lord, uh, you get up that much more early. And, you know, but I'll be tired. Go to bed. Go to bed an hour early. You know, I guarantee you, if you start waking up at 4.30, it gets a lot easier to wake up, to go to bed at 9 o'clock. <laughs> it does. And, uh, you know, and nobody can convince me otherwise. I never read the Bible consistently until I started reading the Bible as soon as I got up out of bed. I never did. It's hard. You know, so I just want to challenge you with that. Think about it. Pray about it. Maybe my... Uh, prescription is not for you, but, but I just felt like I needed to share that. Uh, so, let's pray together. You want to stand up? We'll just close in prayer. Lord God, I, I just thank you, Father, for your word. I thank you that it is living and powerful and active in our lives, God. And Lord, I, I pray that you would help us to love your word, to enjoy your word, God, to, to effectively uh, study your word, God. In Jesus' name, Lord, let it bear much fruit in our life, God, and let it change our church, God. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many of you appreciate Josh tonight? Amen. Bless my soul. I want to affirm a lot of things he said. One quick commentary. I'm the pastor. I can commentate. Uh, when he gave the parable of the sower and the seed uh, and was talking about that, I thought because the soil is our hearts, I thought about what time of day is my heart most productive and most open and ready to receive. 
and it's certainly not at 6.30 in the afternoon. It, or five, it's in the morning. It really is. There's a kind of a window uh, uh, where, where and, and I can tell every morning that window kind of starts closing because, you know, things start happening. Uh, life, you know, I sat out on the porch, just to be honest, it starts getting hot. My wife gets up. I hear things, the, you know, and then you realize oh, it's time to make a change and make a shift. Good stuff tonight. I appreciate it. One more thought. I, Josh said it's not our goal to finish the Bible. I had a second part to that. It's our goal to let the Bible finish us. Woo, I like that, man. So, hey, great stuff. Let me say, Trent, though I haven't got to uh, uh, hear what went on last Wednesday night, thank you so much. He kicked off this series on the sword. Josh, you did great. Ryan, do you have an angle for next week? Ryan's going to be our speaker next week. What's your angle next week? Why we need to read the words? See, there you go. And then the next one, Kobe, OMG, you don't want to miss this because he's going to talk about the authority of Scripture. He's the guy kind of, he's the, he's the caboose here, but he kind of kicked this off in my head, uh, at our men's meeting when he shared some things that, that, uh, and, and he said he's standing on other men's shoulders, uh, that, uh, have, uh, guys like Josh McDowell and things. You're just going to be really blessed by that. Uh, let me make sure, even though you have one, everyone take one of these. Uh, quickly, I want you to plug into to uh, Sunday circles. Not this Sunday, but next Sunday. Uh, it's an eight-week uh, uh, building our family with friends. It starts at nine thirty. I want you to come. We're going to have donuts available. You can bring your donut. We're going. I think we're going to have Sunday circles in here. We'll have our our circles around on, in tables in here before church. Uh, you can. You'll be able to bring donuts and coffee in and fellowship. Uh, it's going to be an interactive time. Uh, I'm going to share a little bit, then the tables will share, and then I'll share a little more, and the tables will share. It's going to be a, a wonderful uh, experience. We're going to learn l- at least eight life lessons in eight Sunday mornings from 9.30 to 10.15 that are going to make a big difference in your life. So plug in, get ready for Sunday circles, uh, and let's uh, let's fill up our circles. Right now we've got 48 slots in our circles. And so uh, I'm hoping we have a problem uh, on su- first Sunday that we've got too many people for our circles and we have to make a- another circle. So we're excited about it. I want you to plug into it and get involved. Amen. Let's keep praying for those prayer requests. Uh, Sunday morning, I'm pretty jazzed about uh, our final weapon. Uh, and it's the word of our testimony, our weapon, the warrior's weapons. And then the next Sunday, which is the first, it's, no, it's not, it's the last Sunday of the month. We're starting a new Sunday morning series called The Disciple, what it really means to follow Jesus. I'm pretty jazzed about that, uh, and de- defining and developing and, and determining who we are as real, genuine disciples of Jesus Christ. So we're growing in Christ here at Church on the Rock North. Amen. Love somebody. We'll see you Sunday. Amen.